0: We worship you this morning. Thanks for meeting with us so generously whenever we gather. Lord, we pray over this time. Lord, I pray every person here would leave with a word from you. God, that you would come teach us. Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. We pray you would guide us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Awesome worship this morning. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Just to introduce myself again. My name's Kendall. I'm the executive director here at the church, and it's my privilege to... Get to share with you this morning, and we are glad you're here. So, thanks for being at church today. It's exciting to get to be together every week and see what God is doing in our lives. I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago, but I got to share a quick testimony of a trip. That I took to Brazil. Was anybody out here on that trip? Any, any night school of transformation students? That's right, we took our, our night school of transformation at the end of our ministry school year. We went to Brazil um, as one of the outreaches we did at the end of our time. And it was a long journey. Uh, you know, I probably don't have to tell you that, but we, we started in San Diego early Monday morning. Drove to LAX, got to LAX, went through the whole security process, waited around a bit, flew to Panama, got off the plane, layover, never been to Panama before. That was interesting. And then went all the way down south to the very south of Brazil by Uruguay to Porto Alegre and got off the plane. It was a long flight. I confess I did sleep a little bit, but my wife and son did not. And uh, we were tired as a family. I think the team was ready for some food. And we were ready to get off the plane and experience Brazil. Let me tell you a little something about going short-term overseas on mission trips. You never really know what's gonna happen. I mean, you plan, You pray, you communicate, but a lot of times you're Skyping with people you've never met before in advance to plan the trip. There can be a language barrier, and you're just kind of hoping that everything's getting through, the details are happening, and you're landing ready for God to do something. And so, although tired, I was a little nervous when we got into customs, having never met any of the people we were working with before, and I didn't really know what to expect. So we all got our bags, and we were extra loaded up on bags because we carried down bags for our long-term missionaries that moved to Brazil at the same time. Which was our privilege to do that, but we had a little bit of extra stuff and we went out from customs into the terminal and I was amazed by what I encountered 630 in the morning on a Tuesday and there were 30 to 40 Brazilians there to greet us And their ministry school, I don't know what time they'd woken up, but they'd already prayed that morning, they told me. And they were dressed in full uniforms. They went up to us, grabbed our bags. We were not allowed to carry anything for the rest of the day. They greeted us, shook our hands, immediately got to know us, told us how excited we were for them. The pastors were there in ties, reading us, carrying our stuff. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Everyone's just being so warm, and they're welcoming us in the airport terminal. And before I know it, they have lined us up and started to give us gifts. And so they gave us these little pins that represented their state in Brazil. That we went and visited They give us all these pens And there was a speech And then to my amazement We started to basically have church there in the terminal So they sang this song That they've been learning in English for the last two weeks We have royalty We have destiny they started to go for it with this song And our friend Felipe gave a little message About how much God was going to move there in Brazil During our time And we were whisked away into a Fiat minivan To go to our hotel I mean, it was awesome It was such a warm welcome It didn't stop there We got to our hotel and I checked into the room and there was a note for us there in our room. And it says that, um, it it said, uh, it was a quote from a servant of Jesus. And it said, uh, we receive you as righteous people in the name of a righteous man. And we're going to receive a righteous man's reward. And they begin to talk about honor in this note. About how they were expecting God to show up in this time of us being in Brazil because of the way they were honoring us. That night, we had a wonderful feast that they'd prepared. We had communion with this enormous bread. We were like passing around. I mean, it was quite the experience. So the long and short of it is God really showed up during our time in Brazil, okay? Somewhere between 150, 200 people came to Christ. I mean, it was an enormous move of God. We really loved being there. But the most impacting thing was working with this group of people. The Friday night before we left, we thought we were going to a special prayer gathering. And I was all geared up, ready to pray and seek God. And actually, we walked into a huge party in our honor. The worship team was playing this disco song, and there was confetti streaming everywhere all over this church. I'm sure the ministry school students had to stay up, like, way late to clean it up, by the way. I mean, it was all over the floor. Um, They brought us on stage, and they gave us some gifts. Mitsu's got the gifts out here. So the first thing they gave me, they gave me this awesome plaque. Um, Just hold that for one second, bud. Uh, This awesome plaque to commemorate our time there. Uh, They gave us uh, this uh, uh, tea cup called mate and uh, kind of passed them all out. There's a picture of me drinking some mate right there, by the way. It's perfectly legal. It's just tea. Okay. And so did that. And then they put champions medals on all of us. I mean, one after another, we were like walking on this stage, champions medal. You are a champion in the kingdom of God. I mean, wow. We left with our hearts full. This church we partnered with, it was such a privilege to be with them because they were a people of extravagant honor. They were people of extravagant honor, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to speak to you from the subject of extravagant honor. Before we hop in uh, just some scripture, I just want to define honor for us. To honor something means to put value upon it. To honor something means to put value upon it. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, the things we respect and honor... In our life, we put our time, our money, our emotional energy towards. To honor something means to put value upon it. And when I think about world history and probably the person that honored people more than anyone else, there's a lot of great examples, but the person that sticks out to me the most is Jesus. You know, Jesus was always putting value on people. He was always making them feel loved and special. One interesting thing about Jesus is that many people that society viewed as dishonorable came to him, and he honored them. Let's look at a few examples here. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Our ushers love to give people a Bible. It's actually our privilege. We'd love to give it to you as a gift if you don't have one, but we want everyone to have a Bible this morning, so we'll start passing those out. And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew 26. To Matthew 26, and I'll turn there too. This is one story about Jesus honoring a person that other people viewed as dishonorable. I'll start reading in verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, a lot of people have preached on this story in relationship to worship, and I think there's a great application here. But the thing I want to point out is how Jesus honors the people involved in this story. First of all, we see in the first verse, verse 6 there, he's at the home of Simon the leper. He's at the home of Simon the leper. I don't know if you know anything about leprosy, but it was not a, uh, a disease of the privileged in Middle Eastern times. It was a very infectious disease, and if you got leprosy, you were outcasted from society. It wasn't only viewed as a physical infectious disease, it was also viewed as a spiritual curse. And anyone that had leprosy, it would not have been godly to associate with them. Now, most theologians think that Simon the leper was a man who was previously a leper that was healed by Jesus earlier in his ministry. So, first of all, Jesus went to a leper and healed him. So he honored someone that was ill and hurting and alone. But then later we see him going to this man's house, who's still referred to as Simon the leper. He's there in the house of someone that maybe society would view as undesirable. This woman, the woman that interrupts the meal. Well, there's a few things we could say about this. But in Middle Eastern culture, typically the men would eat together and the women would be elsewhere. This woman interrupts, kind of the bro down that these guys are having. She walks up to the table, and what does Jesus do? He doesn't cast her aside. He doesn't make a joke about her. He honors her. He respects her. He gives. She gives him a gift that most people would view as wasteful. He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't give her a sermon on stewardship. What does he do? He welcomes the worship. He honors the gift. That the person gives this. And he goes even further to honor this woman saying, wherever my gospel is preached in the entire world, I'm going to make sure this lady's story gets told. He honors this woman by encouraging her, repeating her story. Who are some other people that Jesus honored? Well, let's just do a quick survey here. Matthew 19:14, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Jesus honored children. I often picture it like this. Jesus is walking through the crowd, healing people, and everyone's just trying to touch him. They're just trying to get a piece of him. And the disciples are kind of doing these basketball moves, right? Trying to keep people in, well, kind of keeping a radius around Jesus. And these children are reaching in with their hands, trying to see what's going on. And what does Jesus do? He says, guys, let him come to me. He honors their presence. He honors them as people that have the call of God in their lives. He honors people of different ethnic backgrounds. There's several stories about this in the New Testament. One that sticks out is Jesus with a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, John chapter four. That would have been like a rival country to Israel, been like someone from South Korea honoring someone from North Korea. It was a big deal that he honored people of different ethnic and national backgrounds. Other people he honors, the sick and the poor. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a parable about having a banquet, having a party, and he's instructing his disciples on who to invite. What does he say? Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Jesus was always honoring people that maybe society would have viewed as dishonorable, or maybe other people would have said didn't have value, but he was a man of extravagant honor. I want to follow his example, don't you? Yeah. Okay, so... As we look at honor, there's one verse I kind of want to break down this morning as our theme verse for the morning. It's a really simple verse. It's in First Peter chapter two, and I'm going to show you out of the New King James Version here. First Peter two seventeen. We can put that up, and I think it'd be helpful. It's just so short. Let's all read this together so we remember it. Okay, I'll count to three and we can go. That way we don't start at awkward times and have false starts. Okay, one, two, three. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. That's just a great verse. Don't you want to put that on a t-shirt or something? It's a good one. Honor all people. Well, let's talk about that. As we discussed earlier, to honor means to put value upon something. So what's God telling us here through this scripture? He's saying, put value on every person. Every person you encounter is worthy of value and respect. You know, sometimes as I read the Bible... There's different commands that are in the Bible, and we know that they're good to follow and obey, but sometimes it's helpful to know the why behind the what, right? To know why God would tell us, hey, honor all people. As I was thinking about this this week, I was led back to Genesis chapter one. You know, I think the reason God tells us to honor all people is because every person in the world is created in his image. Let's look here at Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Every person in the world has been created as a unique image bearer of God. That word image in the Hebrew, it means shadow, reflection, mirror. Every person in this room, there's something about God that he put on your heart that you would reflect that about him. You can probably think of the different friends you have in this room. Maybe there's some people in here that really represent the nurturing and comforting side of God we just want to kind of snuggle up to them and receive prayer because they're so warm and pastoral. Maybe there's other people in this room that really um, exhibit the strength of God. They just feel strong, stable people. You receive something from them as you're around them as friends. The faithfulness of God, the mercy of God. There's so many different attributes of God's character that he's put on people. Why? We're all created in his image. There's different things about us that God has put in our hearts to reflect his nature. That's one of the reasons God tells us to honor all people, because all people are created in his image. But, you know, as I was studying this this week, there's a phrase that stuck out to me, a quote from Mother Teresa. She said this, I see Jesus in every human being. I serve them because I love Jesus. Every person we encounter is worthy of love and respect, the people that have really loved people that other people have left their presence and say i feel changed by that person are people that have honored them i think that's what jesus was like he was a man of extravagant honor not only is every person created in the image of god every person is also created with a unique purpose from god just like adam and eve in genesis 1:28 god blessed them and said be fruitful increase in number Fill the earth and subdue it. God had a plan for Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it. And God's plan is still at work today. There's different plans and promises that God has over each person we encounter. And to honor them means to honor the purpose of God that he's put on their lives. You guys with me? This week, there was a big world event. I don't know if you heard about it, but the royal baby was born. It was all over the news, right? Right? And uh, I remember seeing one news uh, article that said the royal baby's first wave, and it was like this picture of the swaddled baby doing this. It was hardly a wave. But anyway, there's been a lot about the baby on the news. And I started thinking about this. You know, the whole world honored this little baby that hadn't ever done anything, okay? It was simply born into a noble family, Right. There's a few things that happened this week to honor this child. First of all, when they found out the baby was a boy, they turned Niagara Falls blue. Did you guys know that? That's a whole lot of food coloring right there, okay? They turned Niagara Falls blue. Another thing they did, they had a 62-gun salute at the Tower of London. Sounds pretty cool. But they did all these things to honor the birth of this child. Gifts were sent from all over the world. But here's what I want to say. Every person is celebrated like that from God in heaven. God celebrates the birth of every unique individual. Why? There's a special call on their life. They're made in his image. This is kind of how I I picture it. You know, a little baby's born and the angels are just freaking out, wanting to know what God is going to speak over this child. I think there's something going on in heaven when people are celebrated and born. Why? Why? Because everyone here is born into a royal family. Our Father is the King of Kings. Are you with me? And God wants every person in the world to be part of that family. Let me tell you something. Maybe you're one of those people that doesn't feel honorable this morning. Maybe you don't feel like you have a lot of value. Or maybe life just hasn't made you feel respected or treasured or loved. God says something different about you. He says that you're a royal priesthood. He says that you are a holy nation. He says that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. While you were a still sinner, Christ died for you. Why? Because you were the joy set before him. He died so he could have deep relationship with you. Every person in this room, every person in the world has a unique call from God on their life. And they're deserving of honor. Jesus was a man of extravagant honor. And we want to treat people the way Jesus did. What's the next part of the verse? Honor all people. The next part is love the brotherhood. I love this part. Love the brotherhood. To me, this, what this says is we are especially called to honor our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We are especially called to honor our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I moved to San Diego five years ago. I love San Diego. I ended up going to college in a different state early in my early teens and 20s, my late teens and 20s. But uh, even for college, I was trying to convince my parents to let me come to California. I actually told them I was going to run away and be a painting major, go to the University of Berkeley. That didn't work out. But anyway, I've been trying to come to California for a long time. And my wife and I, we love San Diego, going to all the different neighborhoods, uh, going out to eat, meeting people. the different kinds of people that live live around town. But I'm glad this is a safe place this morning. I'm glad this is a place to get real, because one thing you may not know about me is I have over 40 cousins in Arkansas. And um, I know I don't present myself that way. Actually, I think we have a picture of all my cousins. Let's just show it up for a quick laugh, okay? Do we have it? Oh, there it is. Great. That's Uncle Carter there in the middle. He's the oldest remaining relative. This is in front of our barn. Anyway, you can take that down. But we have a saying in Arkansas that I want to introduce you guys to. Now, we may need to put our own little San Diego spin on this. You know what I mean? But here's the Arkansas version. That's my kin, y'all. That's my kin, y'all. What's that mean? You don't let people talk bad about your kin. You stick up for your family. You defend them, you honor them, you treasure them and value. Why? Because it's something they did? No, because they're part of the family. See, that's what it means to be connected with people. We are called to love and honor them. And listen, guys, this church, this church especially, is called to be a blessing to the body of Christ. We are called to be encouragers to the other churches in this city. We are called to love the brotherhood. Why? They're our kin. So let me just bring you into kind of my mindset on this this morning, and I hope that you'll go down this journey with me of honoring the body of Christ in our city. But when one church in our city wins, we win. Let's celebrate with them, guys. We're called to celebrate with those who celebrate. Hey, but listen, when one church in our city loses, when they have an issue and they suffer, we suffer too, guys. We're called to mourn with those who mourn. Why? They're our kin. They're family. They're part of the body of Christ. Being a people of extravagant honor means celebrating our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Just as I was thinking about the different churches and movements of churches in our city, I I had a few thoughts that I'd want to share with you this morning. First of all, I started thinking about this a few weeks ago. I was listening to public radio, and there was a guy on who was being interviewed. This guy was in the restoration business. So his job is to go to areas that have been affected like, by disasters, like the area in West Texas or the tornado area in Moore, Oklahoma. And he goes to these uh, places, and he basically profits on the disaster by rebuilding homes and houses and different things. And he was complaining to the radio, saying business was bad. And the, the interviewer was saying, why is business bad? There's a lot of disasters. Don't you have a lot of homes to rebuild? He said, well, I would if those Baptists weren't coming and rebuilding all the homes for free. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys know this, but the Baptist churches are doing a great job at just doing disaster relief all across our country. We're to celebrate that. They're our kin, guys. Are they not? Okay. The Presbyterian churches, another denomination here in America. When we moved to San Diego, there was a group of uh, Presbyterian churches that basically adopted us as their own here in San Diego. They showed us the lay of the land. They instructed us. They coached us on so many other things. All, people church, all people's church wouldn't be what it is today without the Harbor Presbyterian churches. We're so grateful for them. They're our kin. The Rock Church. I meet people all over town. and I say, hey, how did you give your life to Jesus at the Rock Church? And I say, praise God. That's my kin. It's a great soul-winning church. God is using that church in our city to bring many people to Jesus. I celebrate every time I hear of someone coming to Christ, of rededicating their life, of being mobilized into ministry by that church. We're called to celebrate. Let's pray for that church, that God blesses it. There's so many churches that let us use their facilities. I don't know if you've noticed, we don't have a building. We meet in a high school. And so, so many churches are generous with us. They treat us as family. They allow us to use their spaces. They share with us so we can do what God's called us to do. We need to support them as well. Another group of people I'm so thankful for are the intercessors and house church members that have been in San Diego for 10, 20 years crying out for a move of God. That's our kin. I think a lot of what we see at All People's Church is because of their prayer, by the way. So, yeah, we have a lot of people to honor and respect. Jesus showed extravagant honor to his friends. You know, he was always giving his disciples nicknames, encouraging them, getting in our lives. That's what I want to be for the body of Christ. I want to give you guys permission to hold one another accountable. If you hear somebody else in this room speak something negative about another church in our city, hey, just throw them a little elbow. Say, that's my kin. They'll get it. We want to be a church of honor, okay, that blesses and builds up the other communities that are following Jesus in our city. Amen? All right. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Can we put the verse up again? Fear God. Why is this included? Extravagant honor is ultimately based about having a respect and fear of God. You know, I I know when I say the term fear of God, there's all kinds of things that come up in the room, so let me phrase it differently. Awe of God, reverence of God, respect of God, honor of God. We are to honor God. When we honor God, when we walk with him, it places honor rightly in our lives, and we're able to be a people of extravagant honor towards others that we see and meet. You know, one scripture that's really helped me understand this concept of fear and honoring God is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 10. I think we have it. We can just look at that on the screen together. Proverbs 3, 5, and 10. I'm just going to read this for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your new vat and your vats will brim over with new wine my son do not despise the lord's discipline do not resent his rebuke because the lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in there's so much i could say about this but just a few brief things i want to point out about this passage verse 5 says we should trust in the lord with all our heart And lean not on our own understanding To honor God means to put his perspective and his word first That's the glasses that we look through the world at So we don't make decisions based on our own opinions anymore Why? Because we honor God Because we fear him, we put his perspective first Verse 7 Don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil One translation says turn away from evil To fear God doesn't mean to worship God and then have a little something else going on the side. To fear God means to totally turn from the things that ensnare us and keep us from walking in the fullness of what God has for us and run towards God's presence the other direction. That's what it means to fear God. To fear God, verse 9, means to honor Him with our finances and our resources. It says, honor the Lord with all your wealth. That's a big part of it. Our time, our money, everything that God's given us. And finally, to fear God means to receive His correction. I always pray, Holy Spirit, you have permission to convict me. You have permission to lead me towards righteousness. You have permission to push me in the right direction. Give God permission to convict your heart, to push you in the right way. God disciplines those he loves. That's part of having a fear of God. Jesus modeled this more than anyone. He described it in John 5, 19. He said, I only do what the Father's doing. He lived in a way that honored God, that feared God, that put God's agenda and his will first, and he modeled that for us today. Amen? Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor the king. I find this so interesting that this last part, honor the king, is included in the first Peter verse. I don't know if you know much about This period in which the Bible was written But the government was not noble It was pagan Uh, They persecuted Christians After this was written, the next emperor in line Nero was the most famous one for persecuting and, and killing Christians And yet this says honor the king What does that mean? Well, we're called to honor the authorities that God has put in our lives So take it even outside of the government for a second That means our leaders, our boss our parents, our teachers, government officials, our pastors, people that teach and speak into our life, law enforcement, we're called to honor the authorities that God has brought into our life. If there was anyone that seemingly had permission to not honor authority, it was Jesus. Why? He was the King of Kings, He was the ultimate authority. And yet, what did He do? He submitted Himself. To people. He submitted himself to a process. Even when he was being killed on the cross by Roman government officials, what did he pray? We see it in Luke twenty-three thirty-four. He said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. The main way in my life that I feel I can honor my authorities and the people that God has brought in my life, including the government, is to pray for them. There's so many different scriptural commands about praying for those who have authority, praying for our government. But this is who we are called to be as a church. You know, Proverbs 18, 21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who live by it will eat its fruits. We want to be people that speak life over to the authorities that God has brought into our world, over to the people that God has brought into our city. Listen, we're in the middle of a big scandal right now in San Diego. It's been in the news. We can still honor and pray for our government. We can say, forgive this person, God. They don't know what they're doing. God, bring your mercy and your righteousness into our city. We pray that we would have the purest county in America. God, that we would be people, God, that people come to San Diego to get free from sexual addiction. We pray for that. We pray, God, that our law enforcement, our city managers, that you would bring prophets into their life to speak the word of the Lord to them. We pray that they would find Bibles randomly and open them in the Proverbs and they would experience wisdom for the first time. We can pray for an atmosphere of those in authority around us that at least the word of the Lord would be available to them. Of course, they have a choice of how they live, but we can pray and influence the spiritual dynamic around them, can't we? We're called to honor. Yes, there'll be civil discourse. Yes, Christians should be involved and believing God for righteousness in our nation practically as well. But so many times I feel like those discussions lack the taste of honor. And I want to be a church. I want to be a person that restores that in my day. I want to commit to that. God, I just give you permission to do that in my life. I don't know how to do it entirely, but God, make me a man of extravagant honor in that area. Fear God. Whoops. Honor all people. Start at the beginning. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. We want to be a people of extravagant honor. We want that to be part of the relational DNA of this church. Just to encourage you guys, so many people that have come and visited on Sunday said, I felt so warmly greeted. I felt so loved. Let that only continue. Let us be a church of absolute honor where people come to our church, maybe they don't have a million bucks, but they feel like a million bucks because we've blessed them and treated them as they deserve to be treated, as royalty and sons and daughters of the King. Let us be a church like that. Here's how we're practically going to respond this morning. We'll have some time to pray, but... Before we do that, the band's just gonna go and come up and everyone in your bulletin has a thank you note. I remember my mother making me write thank you notes growing up, I never really understood it, but now I do, it was about honor. There are so many people that serve us, that have spoken into our lives, that have honored us and blessed us. I wanna be a church that gives back and honors them. Last night I was at Target buying these thank you notes And I just looked across the register at the person that was serving me, this guy named Ty. And I said, hey, Ty, thanks so much for staying open late so I could do this at the last minute. You know what he said? No one's ever thanked me for that before. I work late every week. What if we were the church that walked around honoring and blessing people? Don't you think that would bring a move of God into people's lives? Don't you think their hearts would be a little more open to hear something about Jesus? Maybe to receive a prophetic word or healing prayer or for God to do something in their heart? I think they would. So let's be a church of honor The way I see it, about 500 thank you notes Are going to go out around our county right now And it's going to produce a harvest of honor In people's lives Okay, so everyone has a note in your bulletin Our ushers are going to go through pens And I'm going to pray, and as we pray We're going to listen to God for a second And I just want to invite you to ask God Who needs honor in my life? Who needs an encouragement? And we're going to spend a few minutes Just filling these notes out And it's going to be your honor homework this week to give that note to this person. Pray for them. Tell them that you love them and thank them for what they're doing. Let me pray for just a moment. We'll wait on the Lord as we fill out these cards. God, we honor you. We put you first. We pray we'd be a people of extravagant honor. And I pray specifically, God, over these notes now. I pray that you would bless them. And I pray you bring people to mind right now that need to be encouraged, that need to be honored, that have an honor deficit in their lives that we could bless and build up. And we're just going to sit silently for a moment as you begin that note. You may not have time to finish it, but we'll just wait here for a few moments. This is Interactive Church, y'all. I know some people are still writing, but let's go ahead and just stand and close our time. There's there's one group of people that I also want to invite to respond this morning. Some of our life group leaders are going to come up. We always want to pray for people every week people that are sick, people that need ministry or breakthrough for any reason. But maybe you're someone this morning and you and you would say, I've never really felt valued by God. I've never really known that God's loved me. I've never really known if I had a relationship with God not feel secure that you're going to be in heaven when you die, or even in God's love for you. Let me tell you something. Following God's a long journey, but it begins by opening your heart to Him in prayer. Just a quick, simple prayer. And I'm going to pray this prayer right now. And if you want to give your heart to God for the first time, to cross that line and say, you know what? All I have belongs to Jesus. I'm going to pray this prayer. You can just repeat it simply after me. You can just repeat it in your seat. No one's going to point you out or anything, but just want to give you a moment to respond to God. So you can pray something like this. Jesus, I want to honor you. I want to bless you with my life. I pray you'd forgive me my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. To prove that you are the way to eternal life pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit into my heart, and I receive your salvation today by faith. In your name I pray. Amen.